cannot get rid of tyranny by fighting tyrants. For a very good reason. Tyranny doesn't exist independently of something else, which is more important. There is a something else which has to be defined before you know what tyranny is. What's that? It's opposite. Prison. Get a friend, get informed, and get involved. We are not cattle radio. Yes, good evening and welcome to We Are Not Cattle Radio. I am your host, Jake Counts, coming to you live from Sonoya, Georgia, home literally and figuratively of The Walking Dead. We are live here. It is the 10th day of June 2015, and we're so glad that you were able to join us on this live edition. So it is podcast number 111 for those of you keeping score at home. I will have Josh Wiley joining me here in a moment to break down the latest and greatest of what I consider my Super Bowl week. It's Bilderberg, you know, that really unimportant thing where all these global conglomerates and global leaders and heads of major corporations get together and, you know, talk about nothing. They don't talk about anything. They don't set policy. None of that stuff goes on. Actually, it's just a, it's just a drinking club now. That's all it is. It's not uh, not important at all, really. I can't even believe we're going to cover it. So we're going to get into that a little bit at the front of the show. Obviously, nobody's arrived yet. Uh, there's been some harassment of you know independent journalists like Luke Radowski and those guys, but nothing nothing off the uh, off the rocker too much. But um, just wait till it gets going. It'll start uh, cranking up here uh, in the next couple of days. I'm sure we'll get some some good insight, but. What we are going to focus on a little bit later in the broadcast is um, this idea of of hero. And we're sold this idea of the hero worship from the time that um, you ever enter the uh, corporation of the United States. As soon as you pass through the birth canal, you are now um, fully involved into the propagandizing of needing a savior, whether it be a politician, whether it be... Uh, government in general, whether it be a media personality or whether it be just um, the lottery. It's all this idea of a savior or a hero, somebody, as I've always said on the show, the American public has this interesting way of coping with things that somebody somewhere is doing something about it. That way I don't have to do anything. But I'm here to tell you, and my guest is here to tell you, that it's actually the exact opposite. You are in total control of your own destiny. As soon as you check out of the corporate lawyer nonsense that we go through on a day-to-day basis, and yes, police, we are fully aware that you are practicing corporate law and not practicing real law. And I'm sure you're told that in one of your debriefings, but you're still supposed to go out and write tickets and, you know... Push the push the corporate uh, game on uh, on us, the citizens. So, I was actually looking for this clip that I had on um, on Bilderberg, and now I'm trying to find it on the YouTubes, and I can't seem to find it. Uh, I wonder if the, here we go. I've actually found it. Lo and behold. So, what we're gonna do is um, first let's give a little rundown. Of who Bilderberg is, but before we get into the Bilderbergers or whatever you want to call them, let's bring up our guest, Josh Wiley. Josh, thanks so much for joining us tonight on this uh, this very special edition of um, you know 
a very important week as they as they always are. Well, Jake, thanks so much for having me. Uh, as always, I'm very depressed that neither of us were invited to Bloomberg this year. Uh, really heartbreaking. I feel like we share a lot of excellent ideas on this show uh, when we get to it. Uh, and, you know, I mean, at least let's get a little bit of credit from the cabal. No, um, I mean, well... We've got good ideas, Zbigniew big new Brzezinski. Come mm-hmm. on, you want to wrap up this East Asian stuff right quick? You call me and Jake. Yeah, we've we've got it all game plan, man. And and we got an easy <laughs> we got an easy one for the for the American public. If you really want to get the American public into a frenzy, uh, cancel cancel the Super Bowl, and 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 you're done. I mean, you're gonna have to like invade Russia in the middle of uh, January, but or February, whenever they hold the Super Bowl. But at least we've got you know something to rile up the people at home and completely distract them. Not that they're not already distracted anyway through classical conditioning and and media programming. So, um, Josh, oh, man. I'm going to go in a different direction. We need a FIFA false flag. Ooh, that's even better because it is the world game now. So there you go. Well, you need a world game for a world government, man. I mean, all this t- it, just makes it's sense. Corrupt and terrorists want to kill them. So you know. I like how no. Just before we get into the global elite and everything, and this kind of does tie in. I like how everybody makes a huge stink about the hundred and twenty million dollars that these guys supposedly embezzled over like twenty or forty years. I haven't even really been following it. I just touched on it briefly, but I mean, how ridiculous! So, global banking establishment can can go and set the LIBOR rates and rig those which set the interest rates for everything in the entire world and nobody gets arrested nobody even gets fined you know the the Rothschild group can go and and set you know gold prices every week for how long like 100 100 years nobody gives a crap about yeah, that since the mid 1800s yeah so who what whatever man i mean it's dude just let them roll let them roll they're um I mean, I don't know why all these people are talking about a gov- uh, you know, a global government's coming. It, guys, hi, hi. It, it's here. There is no this fast track nonsense that's going on that everybody's all up in arms about. Who cares? Here's the problem: you don't even give a shit about the laws that are on the books now. What difference is this going to make? They're just going to steamroll you guys anyway. Nobody stands up. Everybody just sits around and does nothing, talks a big game, and most of the public, let's say. Now, I would say a good 55% of the public, once again, just pulling arbitrary numbers out of my ass. But, I'd say 33%, Jake. Oh, that's actually a good one. Could it be repeating? <laughs> Can we make it repeating? 33.33%. Okay, great. But literally, I don't think that we have enough of the population that even gives a crap, especially here in the United States, because we still enjoy the creature comforts. So... As we talk about the creature comforts, let's actually talk about the creatures themselves, and we'll let uh, CNN talk to us and give us their um, their breakdown. This was from a couple of years ago, but it still works. I mean, you know, Ju- oh, how ironic, June 6, 2013. Here we go. Welcome back to The Lead. I'm Jake Tapper. Now it's time for The Buried Lead. That's a story we do not think is getting enough play. When you think of secret societies, you think of groups of rich old men, like Mr. Burns from The Simpsons, sitting around a ridiculously long table, all trying to top each other with their best diabolical laugh. All right, so I got to go ahead and stop it right there. Josh, 
what is he setting the stage for right now when he's talking about Mr. Burns and this diabolical left? What is he setting the stage for for his audience? The fact that he's <laughs> right. He's just that's my that's my Bilderberg uh, tryout. <laughs> well, see, that's that's the thing is that even when they do report on this stuff. What they're doing with the way that they're delivering this kind of information, they're already putting you in a state of cartoon land. Like, oh, this is so crazy that we're even talking about it. And then they spin it and say that, oh, it's not getting enough coverage. And yet this is the only report that I've ever seen them ever do. And so here we go. Continuing. Well, it makes well, for a fun- it, right. Jake. Yeah, go ahead. Oh, we just got to remember to keep in mind, everyone, you know, Jake, Jake Tappytoes over there, you know, former White House uh, press secretary, correct? Correct. Yeah, so, I mean, with the, barring the Smith-Munt Act, which, you know, obviously has been repealed. Um, uh, that was in the, that was in the, that was in the NDAA of last year. So, yeah. welcome to the world, everybody. The CIA can openly propagandize the public and operate well, domestically. So overt, Woo-hoo. It's just so overt at this point that not only do we uh, need to roll out former White House press secretaries, uh, give them shows on CNN with Anderson Cooper, uh, and have them deride conspiracy theories. We can also have Andrea Mill, you know, running around. Uh, on, is she at ABC? Uh, who was the girl uh, again? You kind of got garbled there. Oh, Andrea Mitchell, um, Alan Greenspan's wife. I think she is on ABC, the one that Luke Radowski confronted. Uh, I believe so, but mm-hmm. she is also, uh, you know, uh, she's like the chief White House correspondent for ABC that is tasked with uh, going after conspiracy theorists. She did the uh, Obama or uh, Osama bin Laden uh, digital bookshelf report, Jake. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right. Found reading Bloodlines of the Illuminati. Uh, the Illuminated Ones. Here we go. Speaking of the Illuminatis, all right, here we go. Cartoon, but in reality, such societies and secretive meetings do exist. And one is going on right now behind closed doors in England. The Bilderberg Group is a meeting of the most influential people in Europe and North America. Wall Street investors, business moguls, politicians, royalty, they're all coming together and keeping the media and everyone else out. What are they discussing? What are they plotting? Doesn't the public have a right to know? Well, apparently, no. Though, what they chat about could very well end up impacting your 401k or who knows what else. (laughs) Security was tight today at the Grove Hotel in this leafy area north of London. 140 members of the global elite arrived here for a top-secret, hush-hush, off-the-record conference in the English countryside. How's this for a guest list? The head of the International Monetary Fund, former Treasury Secretary Tim Geithner, the heads of Amazon.com, Google, and BP Oil, former General and CIA Director David Petraeus, I think he's there again this year. He's a, he's a good one. And what's a top-secret cabal of puppet masters without Henry Kissinger? <clears throat> All of them came here today for the Bilderberg Conference. That's Bilderberg, not Bilderbear. Participants are tight-lipped about discussions, other than to say <laughs> topics will range from the economy to jobs to U.S. foreign policy. Dude, I think Tapper's got a future in, uh, in comedy. See What the organizers call megatrends and the major issues facing the world. Reporters and outsiders are not allowed in, and everything is off the record. Organizers say that so participants can take time to listen, reflect, and gather insights. 
Protesters from around the globe have descended upon the venue, objecting to the secret nature of the meetings, which have been going on behind closed doors among European and North American elites since 1954. Oh, founded by the Nazis, by the way. Protester Daniel Kirby explains. It's just a gathering of people who are concerned that our elected politicians who promise transparency are meeting in secret with the heads of top banks, pharmaceutical companies, weapons companies. You, know, you name it, European royalty are in there sort of thing. Um, it's, just, it's just incredible that they can say one thing and do the other. Now, if you're thinking this is just another cabal of the people who secretly run the world... So does noted author, provocateur, and conspiracy theorist Alex Jones from InfoWars. Magna Carta has been restricted for the scum globalists that are in there. Jones is broadcasting live from the conference this week. They want you dead, Governor. Why? They're out to kill me. Some pretty nutty conspiracy theories about the group abound. They're hiding the cure for cancer, for example. But just because Bigfoot believers who are often offensively wrong are on the case here does not mean there isn't reason for the rest of us to be wary as these masters of the universe confab away from cameras. The conference wraps up on Sunday, and organizers say there will be no resolutions or votes and no policy statements. I think it would be very naive to think that all of these people are going to turn up to a meeting unless it has some effect. Gerard Batten is a member of the European Parliament for London. I'm sure that they are actually reaching decisions about which way public policy should be going in the countries that are represented, and of course in the European Union. We'll have to wait and see if any of the attendees choose to speak about what happened at the conference. Let me also say it appears my invitation was lost in the mail, an oversight that we here at The Lead hope will be corrected next year. Of course, you can share your conspiracy theories about the event with me on Twitter, at Jake Oh, there we go. Okay, so... Uh, I don't know if that was like a nudge, nudge that Tapper wants to get into the club. What do you think? Uh, could have been. I don't know. That was a, that was a very interesting fra- uh, phrasing. I don't know if uh, if propagandists are. Well, I guess now that he is in uh, in the realm of of, of media, uh, mm-hmm. at least more overtly than his former job, uh, he could. I don't know. I, I'd set him up with a Council on Foreign Relations gig first and see how he does. Yeah, see if he can see if he can you know rub elbows with the big boys and see what happens. So now we're gonna shift exactly. gears a little bit and um, well, Jake. Yeah, go ahead. Before you do that, I, I just wanted to ask you: mm-hmm. Have you ever read at any point uh, uh, a conspiracy theory about the Bilderberg Group specifically retaining the cure for cancer? No, I was actually about to bring that up as well. Me. Yeah, yeah. And so once again, conflating reality with disinformation, which we'll get into a little bit later because that's part of understanding the hero um, phenomenon, whether it's uh, in off-mainstream media or in regular media. So um, let's do this. Let's um, let's move to – oh, man, where did that clip go? Oh, man, Josh, I have seemed to have misplaced something, y'all. So I guess we don't have the – they don't have the lucrative – oh, here it is, Tony Blair. All right, so we're going to talk about what happens and – I don't even know if we should play this. We can play it, but um, you have to see the video of when Luke Radowski confronts Tony Blair about the Bilderberg Group. So we're going to play the audio, but um, I'll clip and um, I'll put the video in the show notes for, for show 111 so you guys can check it out. So here we go. This is Luke kind of walking up toward him. I'm going to skip ahead until it gets towards the very end here. Hey, 
enjoy fooling all these people? Huh? You enjoy fooling all these people with your New World Order? <laughs> we know you're an abomination of evil. We know you care nothing about these people, you monster. Yeah, everybody's around clapping. Serious question. Are you denied being a member of the Bilderberg Group? Uh, the Guardian reported that you came there in 1993. What do you say to those people who have questions about the Bilderberg Group? About the Bilderberg Group? Yeah, yeah it's a really useful group, actually. I remember going there back to, to that in 1993. and we, uh, it's, a, it's a great way, too, for people from different parts of the world to get together. Um, so it's been good. Do you think it's a conflict of interest? I mean, the heads of media, corporations, banking, meeting yeah. without the media even mentioning it? <clears throat> I don't know. It may have changed a bit since my day. Oh, you actually got it. You could actually hear it. Let me see if I can rewind it. You can hear yeah, him. It's the, throat, it's the throat clear that sells it. Yeah, he just, he gets really, gets kind of stumbled. And they're like, well, what about, you know, the media being shut out and all these guys getting here? Here it goes. Um, so it's been good. Do you think it's a conflict of interest? I mean, the heads of media, corporations, banking, media, yeah. without the media even mentioning it? Uh, I don't know. It may have changed a bit since my day. <laughs> all right, so... You know, it's it's interesting to look at the way that people react under certain situations. Obviously, that was a tell. I mean, I am a poker player, but you don't have to be a poker player to understand that when somebody clears their throat and goes, ugh, uh, it means that they're extremely uncomfortable and they don't really have a good answer for you in that situation. So I got to give you one of these, Mr. Uh, Radowski. I got to give you the, the kudos, the Mario coin. You got to get it. So, um, <clears throat> Mr. Josh, as I clear my throat, as I'm supposedly nervous or something, what would you? Um, I don't know that that one. That wasn't as guilty a throat clear, Jake. That was actually uh, a big faux pas on my part. I um I did something that is like the cardinal sin if you're going to do any kind of vocal, uh, and I um I ate yogurt about thirty minutes before we came on air. So yeah. Oh, good job. Yeah, word to the wise: any vocalist out there, no dairy before you go on. Big no no. So unless you're playing like an old man and you need some <laughs> a nice some nice phlegmy resonance. <laughs> Amen. So um. Do you want to close the book on Mr. Bilderbergs? We'll cover them a little bit more next week because I'm sure we'll – I mean they released the agenda. They released all this other stuff. But I, I typically don't go by what gets released to the public, especially what gets released from um, quasi-disinformation outfits like InfoWars and stuff like that. So, Well, okay. It's like you got Fifi Lagarde there, head of the IMF. You know, Henry Kissinger, as they were saying, uh, Eric Schmidt. This was, this was in 2013, year. so this is a couple of years ago, but – Similar kind of confab this year. I mean, you've got, um, yeah. you know, it's 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 a similar group. It always is a similar group. So go well, ahead. Well, well, Jake, I'll tell you what I guess we discuss on a fairly regular basis. Uh, this uh, quote unquote new world order that is being you know erected all around us uh, is so fair, so openly public these days. Yeah. That if you care to actually read through the policy papers that the that groups like the World Bank, the IMF, are putting out, you know, dig into the foundation funding and then look at the heads of corporate boards on all in all of these countries, all of the names of people that attend these conferences, right? Whether they're members of the Pilgrim Society or the Trilateral Commission or the Council on Foreign Relations or Chatham House or the Bilderberg Group or any of these other groups, and see how they're all connected. They're fairly open with at least their projections, and thus, uh, I guess, their agenda mm-hmm. uh, at this point. 
and it really doesn't take much effort. So all the mysticism and secrecy surrounding something like Bilderberg as an alternative media event, mm-hmm. it's really in, it's it's I'm sure it's like breeds camaraderie and all that sure. stuff. Sure. Um, that's what in, I said. That's, terms of, that's why I use the analogy of the Super Bowl because that's what it is. It's just a bunch of fanfare. It's not like. It's not like that these meetings don't go on throughout the year and, and other undisclosed locations. And, and if anything, the, the steering committees and, you know, the, the other influential groups like, you know, Stratford and other, you know, and, and other, you know, groups like that, those are the ones that are really setting policy throughout the year. And you can see it reflecting in, like you said, in the policy papers, you know, the way that, the way that all this stuff kind of comes to fruition. It's not like that they get together at Bilderberg and they decide everything at this one meeting. They've had multiple meetings up to this point, whether you know all the attendees were at all the steering committee meetings or not. I'm sure they get debriefed as far as you know what what the state of the world is, where where they're headed with this idea of the merger of the of the East and the West, if they're even planning to do that, because now it looks like. They're looking to shift power from west to east and demonize the west, as you and I have been saying um, for for gosh, almost over a year now. I believe that we've been on this kind of rant that, hey, we're being set up to be the bad guys, and unfortunately for the American people, there there's nothing that we can really do about it because our hands are tied. It's like I said before, you we have this situation where you have. The TPP, the TT, the the TPIP. I can't remember all the acronyms, but these are global uh, trade. TPIP. Thank you. So these are global the trade. TPA is the new one. These are all global trade deals. They're all getting fast tracked, and and they're trying to give Obama fast track authority. But my point is, it doesn't matter. These are already done at the corporate level, and it, and if you go back to you know whistleblowers at the World Bank and all these other people that have come out and said. And I've done research and said, yeah, there's there's a small group of people that control 43% of the world's wealth. It's it's not rocket science to understand that they've they've hidden their wealth through corporations and tax-free foundations. They've even told you that. And then if you go to the Norman Dodd interview, which I forgot to post in the show notes from last week, but I'll post it in this one, which I um, – for those of you that listen to the show, I tweeted at No Agenda, and they both retweeted it. And it immediately got deleted from their Twitter or Twitter feeds or whatever. So it immediately got deleted because it's a very powerful interview talking about how the tax-free foundations have really set up the United States for a merger. And that's what they're really – they were going for. I don't know if they're going for it anymore you know, with this annexation of China, and I don't know what the West is doing demonizing Russia, but let's let's wrap on um, Bilderberg really quick, Josh. So your final thoughts on these guys? Um, well, I guess uh, I, the discussion of these trade deals and what people can really do about them, I mean, I, I guess I would disagree fundamentally with the notion that the American people, or people everywhere, because we're all victims of this on Slavelandia, uh, our, our our spaceship Earth, as Buckminster Fuller would say, right, <laughs> as a throwback to 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 the globalists of the seventies. Um, but you know, it really just if they, if they pass multinational trade deals that gut uh, corporate America and ask you to essentially live in concentrated areas, flipping burgers next to a robot, then do the exact opposite of that, people. It's not that hard. They want you in the city, move to the country. Uh, yep. You know, they want you transacting in 
some new digital currency or in bank cards as they're doing in places like the Netherlands. Use physical cash and barter, right? Yep. They want you eating genetically modified food Grow. the grocery store. Grow your own, trade with other people. It's not right. that hard. Right. Just take the power back in, into your own life. But closing out on Bilderberg, I guess, and the, na- the nature of the alternative media circus it's kind of be- become, uh, you think, Jake, that Jake Tapper uh, doing that report, citing, of course, the term conspiracy theory from CIA document 1035-960, uh, criticism concerning the Warren Report, uh, it was published in the 60s, where they essentially say, well, how do we respond to this Mark Lane cat uh, spreading these uh, conspiracy theories? Mm-hmm. Or at the time, they, didn't think of, they hadn't thought of the term, but the paper's ultimate conclusion is that the term conspiracy theory should be employed to the utmost uh, in, in the hopes that people will be conditioned into believing that any kind of conspiratorial history uh, is merely theory and not fact. Mm-hmm. And you see the Mockingbird media still using that terminology today. I mm. uh, do you think that certain certain news media outlets, alternative news media outlets participating in these confabs every year mm. almost give the mainstream media the opportunity to use the tactics of ten thirty five dash nine sixty? No, I would I would agree, and that's kind of where we're where we are heading with this the um, the the idea of the the hero or the savior and. I got into a Facebook debate with somebody that I thought was an intellectual, but it turned out he was just a a um, uh, a well-informed bigot. I guess is the best way to put it, because he um, he put out this. You find a lot of those in alternative media. <laughs> Man, it's <laughs> At least like in you, the comment sections. Yeah, it's like you can't even have a debate with people anymore. There is no debating. It's that no, I know this, so I'm right. And it's like, look, I, I I've read a lot of books. <laughs> And I know that I don't know shit, so I'm open to suggestions, and we can have conversations about what you've read, what you've researched, here's what I've got, and here's what I've researched. Let's come to some kind of conclusion here. If your conclusion is correct, then yeah, or or it seems to be more plausible than mine, then yes, I will yield to you, and then let's have a conversation about that. But a lot of people just get in this idea that, oh, no, my media that I check is is the correct media. And I used to run into this a lot with people on InfoWars. Like, do you remember the uh, the tiny house story that InfoWars ran, Josh, about – Yeah. I, yeah. I actually – I'm getting ready to uh, publish a full article about this because I left a lengthy comment on the site. I believe that I sent you this link, Jake. Uh, you uh, may have a long time ago. You may, you may, you may very well have found it. No, because uh, I read, I I read the actual article, and I'm like, this is not, because they they push the idea of the tiny house movement as the the global elite is forcing people into buying tiny homes, and no, it's not ex- what it was at all. It's people like people like Josh that are looking to move out, get off the you know get off the dole of this you know transnational corporatocracy that we're in. And start living free. And the only way that you well, can do that is by living in a house. Well, one of the only ways is by living in a house that doesn't have code enforcement come and knock at your door every five minutes. But go ahead, man. Yeah, Jake. Having done a lot of research into this subject, not only wait a minute, you know, wait a minute, Josh. Names. Josh, hold on a second. Hey, what you reading for? Sorry, I had to. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but not books, as Bill Hicks would say. I was reading uh, boring, dreary uh, government code enforcement. 
uh, and and visioning seminar documents from Agenda 21. But what you find when you really start to look into the the tiny house movement, uh, it started really as a core of kind of like neo theruvians who are looking to do exactly what you say, skirt building codes, either by putting, uh, it started off as putting these kind of buildings on wheels. Other people in, in certain local municipalities have found that it's actually easier uh, to build them on ground uh, because certain, uh, again, local townships and counties have stipulations for, um, uh, for seasonal cabins and, mm-hmm. uh, and, and stuff like this that you don't have to call a residence. You pay much lower taxes and you avoid all these tricky uh, coding and enforcement deals, right? Um, but, you know, because of the size restraint elements, you know, most of these houses are 200 to 500 square feet. Mm-hmm. Uh, Infowars qu- picked up on this story, uh, trying to connect it essentially to these Agenda 21 visioning seminars, simply because both of them say, well, living in a small, tight space right. is what we want for the future. Right. And when you really start to dig into it, you can't find many of these connections. There are a couple. There's one uh, up in um, on, in Washington State where there's essentially a sustainable development firm that it has worked with the city to to showcase some tiny houses. Mm-hmm. Um, but for the Agenda 21 crowd, it's really more of a PR element. Mm-hmm. The what you what you truly find when you dig into the codes and of these municipalities is that it's it's virtually illegal to live in a tiny house no matter where you are. Again, there are there are some tricks that you can play with coding and, and zoning enforcement officers if they're willing to play along with you. Mm-hmm. And I really hope to 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 show some of those people people who want to to take this kind of life path how to do that in the future. But it, the point is that. The core of Agenda 21 is not, and sustainable development as a whole, is not simply the size requirement of, of the area that you live in. It's where that dwelling is located. Right. Um, primarily, they want these in mega regions, what they call the stack and pack model. Mm-hmm. And you see it a lot in towns now where you've got your your local uh, working food establishments, your 7-Eleven and apartments on top of that, right? Right, right. Or that's, you have like a you have like a, a, a local grocer, a, a bistro, a bar, and then like you you build townhomes on top of it. Yeah, very popular. Exactly. Very popular in Metro Atlanta right now. So all of you guys that are buying into that, um, welcome to uh, welcome to slavery. Yeah, buddy. Yeah, that that's the sustainable development model. Because mm-hmm. a lot of these, uh, a lot oh, of it's highly, it's highly, con- it's highly convenient. I mean, it's highly convenient, but you just understand well, what you're getting if into. You get a, if you get a wage slave job flipping burgers, you know, on the first floor of your apartment building, Jake, your carbon footprint will be much lower. You won't need a car. That'll be great. Oh, that's funny. I was at an ATM the other day. Not to get too far <laughs> off topic, but I was at an ATM the other day, and it asked me. It said, "Would you like to reduce your carbon footprint by point oh two five by not printing out a receipt for your ATM?" And I was like, "Good God, it's already here." It is already here. No, let let us email it to your Gmail account where we can uh, sniff all of your bank information and we can store it at Google headquarters as well as your bank uh, supposedly secure uh, server systems, Jake. It's a great idea. Elon Musk thinks that, you know, Google's going to build a bunch of machines to take over the world, but he's a crazy person. So, I mean. Oh, geez. Uh, Transhumanazi. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. To put put a cap on that, sorry. To put a a capstone on it, Josh? But to 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 place the capstone upon the uh, the the unfinished great work, um, <laughs> the Infowars put out an article essentially as a hit piece on on the tiny home movement, 
uh, when in reality, a lot of these people are fighting Agenda 21 in their mm-hmm. local municipalities because Agenda 21 commissioners won't let them build on their land. We had an issue like this uh, in Leelanau County in Michigan where a couple tried to live in a very nice 300-square-foot structure, I think, mm-hmm. uh, and this the local zoning board, the same local zoning board that has had issues with funding from uh, an Agenda 21 affiliate, uh, has deemed their uh, their space not livable because they're not they're too far outside of town. Essentially, oh. I mean they're using the building codes to enforce uh, this dictum, this dictate. Excuse me, mm-hmm. but that's the primary reason that they're just too far out of town. Yeah, once again, just corporate law trying to trump you know what should be natural law. But anyway. That's it. Yeah, it's, it's really good for us. So let's get into this idea of the savior complex. Which which section would you like to hit first? Would you like to hit the political section, um, the media section, or just um, or the educational section? Which one do you think would let's, be? A, how how about we start at the end and then backtrack to the beginning of the story, Jake? And start by starting at the end, declaring what uh, what the elimination of the savior complex would mean for humanity. And fundamentally, that means uh, individual and local accountability. Uh, when, when you abandon the, the idea that there will be an external force coming to save you, whether that be a politician or a country or some group of fictitious white hats in the military or Jesus... Or the bricks, um, or the bricks, or or the, or, yeah. or the bricks, or any of these, or some you know gold standard from the east, or this a new SDR system, whatever your personal, maybe aliens, I don't know, yeah. whatever your personal savior complex is. Uh, once you abandon this uh, and and start to look in the mirror, then you have to realize that you know it's up to you and those around you of like mind to kind of build the future you want to see for yourself, because these saviors throughout history, do not have humanity's best interest in mind. Mm-hmm. And I don't think this current crop is any different. So depending on which which group you would, you'd like to discuss first, I mean, we can go anywhere from here. Well, I like how you almost went Gandhi on me right there. That was very nice. But um, let's start with the... Um, Be the change you want to see in the world. Yes, exactly. So let's start with, um, let's start with where it begins. So... You you talked about what the what the aftermath would look like when we destroy the hero complex or the savior complex. Let's start and and talk about where it begins. And I would say it begins with the classically conditioned educational system that we have currently set up based on, you know, the the Prussian system of education. So we're taught, you know, in our 15,000 hours of public schooling for those of you that did go to public school and weren't classically trained like myself, and had to learn that as a whole new way of thinking uh, when you're 35 years old, which is pff, fascinating in itself, that, um, that you're given these, these authority figures to look to. And the authority figures typically always have the answers, whether it's your parents, and you kind of get over that when you get a little bit older and you get a little bit more rebellious, but you still have the confines of, I would say, the school system. So you have the superintendent, you have the teacher, you have the principal, you have all these different hierarchies of control, and they're there to keep you on this idea that somebody will protect you, that somebody is there to stop all the violence, Somebody, and that's where the police come in, once again, the police provided by government, are there to stop the violence, stop the criminals, not you, once again, not you, the individual that is there to protect yourself and your property and your, uh, you know, and your effects 
it, it is up to someone else. So, Josh, would you care to expand on that a little bit? I, I just went on trying to get us a lead in there for that. No, I think that's a great place to start because it also brings us to, I think, the most modern iteration, the most modern mainstream iteration, we should say, of the, of the hero worship complex. Uh, and that's the worship of scientism. Uh, Ooh, you start, of good. course, with the, the, yeah, the history of the Prussian system of education, which has really molded kind of into its own unique brand here in America, where uh, going forward, we see being pushed, uh, in, in addition to Common Core, of course, the STEM programs, science, technology, engineering, and math, mm-hmm. uh, where it's this end now of Prussianism, of that classical conditioning um, in the Pavlovian sense through ringing bells, you know, graded tests. Uh, grouping of kids by socioeconomic status, all of these things. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're combining that now with um, essentially technocracy, where it's this managerial class of essentially button pushers and whiz kids who will operate the smart cities for all of us, right? Envisioning mm-hmm. uh, 2025 or whatever. Right. So uh, na- now we have a society that essentially uh, looks to the priesthood of white lab coats. Uh, and in the name of science and engineering and, and technicians and, and experts, expertology, really. Well, that um, was um, that was Bernays. Didn't Bernays say that they will create a series of experts and they will be kind of like the priest class and they will be the uh, – I can't remember if it was Bernays or yeah, if it was Quigley that said that. I can't no, remember. A- absolutely. And Eddie Bernays used this technique to, to great effect uh, for a lot of cigarette companies in the mm-hmm. 50s, you mm-hmm. know, where he would get doctors to endorse various brands of cigarettes. Well, they're you know, the experts, for, Josh. He, I mean, they're the health experts. He, he they would for, know. Yeah, he did this for multiple firms. And these were literal white lab coats coming to you uh, on the priestly screen of technology, mm. or uh, on the, excuse me, of the telescreen, mm. telling you which brands to smoke, <laughs> uh, which were the safest. Four and out now, of five doctors recommend camels. Uh, exactly. At least at least eight out of ten, though. You know, Just like eight <laughs> out of ten uh, you know, uh, drivers now recommend the, the Chevy Volt. You know, never mind that electricity is consumed by centralized or produced by centralized entities in our society. So having an electric car uh, essentially means being having to be on the grid at all times. But mm-hmm. eh, never mind. So and we can take that one <laughs> step further if you want. I mean, we touched on the idea of scientism and, you know, I'm not going to get into into climate um, change or. I like um, they, they have a they have a new thing they have a new thing now which is climate deniers and I and I made a post because I have I have a friend who probably listens to the show that um, that talks you know he's a he's a big climate he's a big climate guy and you know I understand that we have you know ecological problems I understand that we have environmental problems but it's not so much I'm a, a, a denier of climate that would be ludicrous because if I denied climate then I wouldn't have an atmosphere I wouldn't be able to breathe so. I understand the difference between climate and weather, but but what happens is, like you were saying, Josh, this appeal to authority that we that we keep harping on, but it becomes this idea of the savior complex. You know, once again, the the EU is going to save us from ourselves by we're going to have mandated carbon footprints, or we're going to save the Earth by mandating that you lower your carbon emissions. When the top fifty polluters in the world, as far as corporations go, produce more carbon than all of the rest of the people on the earth combined. So you're pointing the finger in the wrong direction when you're looking at if you're a real environmentalist and you're not going after the major corporations, which to 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 a big extent a lot of them do. But when you're sitting there telling me you need to micromanage my life and the way that I, you know, operate and the way that I get myself from one point to another, 
you're you're really going down a false path here. It's it's not going to turn out well for either one of us because you're you're uh, you're basically using authoritarian mind control, saying that I know what's best for your life, which gets back to our point. You are not the savior. You're not the hero. Don't try to act like one. Be the hero in your own life and take your individual responsibility. But what I would say on top of the scientism, Josh, um, what would you say to the idea of of this – this new thing that's coming up in the alternative media where any alternative narrative is – whether it's correct or not, it is something that we need to – we need to propagate. You know, it's it's like – it has now become almost – the ma- the off-mainstream media has become almost like a cult of, of people that want to not, you know, fit into the status quo – but also don't want to do their own research, so they they run into you know being parrots just like just like people that parrot the mainstream media narrative. They just parrot a different narrative. And you you wanted to yeah. say something, so you can backtrack a little bit if you want to. Oh well, I, I just wanted to say I guess with the the nature of scientism uh, and and the savior complex. When I think of the savior complex, certainly that's how uh, the, the, I guess, mainstream line of thinking of Savior Complex would express itself. But when I think about it specifically, I turn my eye more towards our peers in the alternative media that you just brought up uh, in, in looking at people, you know, uh, who think, you know, a Rand Paul or a Ron Paul or a Gary Johnson, mm-hmm. or if you're in Europe, um, maybe a Nigel Farage and UKIP uh, will, somehow, will somehow come and save you. So on the on the track of scientism, though, we do have these groups within the alternative media right now. If you think of something like the Thrive Movement, mm-hmm. uh, or you know, I guess probably more popular, the Zeitgeist Movement, uh, you know, based around uh, the resource-based economy. Oh my right? God! Isn't that the it's, most terrifying thing you've ever seen? Well, it, it is. It truly is technocracy. And no, that's a hundred percent technocracy. The the resource yeah, based is a, economy is the technocracy with just a different label slapped on it. Exactly. So I guess what I'm saying is we're seeing a pattern, Jake, and I think that this our our school based conditioning, you know, that that tells us to look to master and to look to the authority figures breeds this uh, kind of uh, uh, kind of you know intellectual um, uh, sort of malnourishment that mm-hmm. we see in the alternative media today where people look to uh, a group of technocrats to program the perfect society for them mm-hmm. uh, in terms of the Zeitgeist project, mm-hmm. right? Or they have, they look to uh, Rand Paul who will end the American empire and, and restore sound money to the treasury department or, or, or some, <laughs> some chicanery like this, right? Or within the precious metals community. Now right. we see a lot of talk about how China and Russia are going to uh, unleash a, a joint gold-backed currency upon the world and, uh, you know, shit ponies and rainbows from the sky or something <laughs> like that. Uh, it, it's, it seems, Jake, that almost every time that humanity gets to this basic point where they're like, uh, okay, well, that didn't quite work out, that, that collective enterprise did not quite work how we expected it to, um, maybe we have to do this for ourselves, mm-hmm. right? They give you something new. And there's different brands of something new, right? Like if you're the techno geek, you know, internet user, then the Zeitgeist Project is for you, right? Mm-hmm. If you're, 
you know, crusty and uh, older and, you know, were a survivalist or something like mm-hmm. this in the eighties and you've got a hoard of gold coins in your sock drawer, mm-hmm. then I don't know, maybe, maybe you want to, to throw your support behind Ron Paul in the 1776 revolution. Right. 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 Yeah. And, and, you know, going back to the, the overarching theme here and, you know, I'm actually reading, um, and I'm kind of late to the game on this, but, um, I'm reading Mises's, uh, socialism right now. Uh, one of the many books that I'm reading, actually, I, I'm, I'm one of those weird creatures that my wife doesn't understand it either, where I'll read about four or five different books at a time just because I, I like different topics. It holds my interest a little bit longer. I guess maybe I'm a little bit, uh, ADD from all the fluoride and stuff that I drank growing up, or maybe the red number five or yellow number 20 or whatever the hell it is. Yellow number five, red 20. Excuse me. I got those flipped. Yeah. But, don't, um, don't forget your polysorbate AD, Jake. <laughs> I have no idea what that is, but it sounds delicious. But my favorite is a uh, green thirty-three. Ooh, that sounds yummy too. So you know, but but when I get down to it, when he starts, to, he basically harped on everything that you said. That there's always these different ideas and these different cells for utopia. But what we have to realize is that you know you have the power to create your own utopia if you so desire and if you have the will. Now, whether that's through uh, enlightening yourself by reading books and turning off the television or if it's you know going out and building a sustainable community with people that you trust and people that you want to have relationships with and, and building a truly sustainable um, community off the grid. And we're seeing that that's going to become more and more um, – you know, corporate law is going to push the idea of being off the grid – uh, just to the point where if if you collect rainwater, just like that uh, case back in, I think it was Oregon or Washington a couple of years ago, where a guy got arrested for collecting rainwater. Now, how in the hell can the government say that they have the right to arrest you for collecting something that came from the sky that nobody has property rights to? So it's this corporate idea, and that's why I say that the people that are, you know, bitching about Bilderberg and that are bitching about all these other things, you're you're wanting to have your cake and eat it too. There's only one way to truly be free. And I know that I'm a slave. I, I know that I'm in the system. I know that I'm a slave. But what Josh is doing with his homesteading project and what other friends of mine have done when they went out and homestead, that's really being free because you're not you're not beholden to anyone. I mean, you you might be beholden to the guy that comes up and from code enforcement and, and tries to you know take you away for for growing crops on your land, which will probably eventually get there. You know, just like the Soviet Union did, they'll just come and either burn your field down or they're just going to come in and say, okay, well you give us all your all your crops and then um, and then we redistribute it to everyone. So I mean, once. Once we get back to the idea that individuals have power, I think we're moving in the right direction. So I guess the overarching theme here is that nobody's coming to save you, people. Rand Paul isn't coming to save you. Jesus isn't coming back tomorrow. None of this stuff is going to happen. The only thing that will save you is your own intellect and your own free will. And the only way that you can assert that is by understanding the situation that you're in, understanding the laws that are trumped up around you, and how to best maneuver through those and just live as free as possible, if you're going to live in the system like I do. Like, uh, my friend had one great quote that I'll, I'll repeat, and I'll give him credit for it. So you know who you are. I won't say your name on the air. 
but he said, uh, don't break the law while breaking the law. And he was talking about driving with a, a, um, a banned substance. Once again, if you cross these imaginary lines drawn by politicians, all of a sudden a plant becomes banned. You can't have it. You cannot have that plant in your car if you cross that imaginary line drawn by a politician. So, Josh, you wanted to make a comment before we start going a little bit, uh, a little bit down the road of uh, exposing some of the, the media saviors that we have out there. Hmm. Well, uh, I guess two points I'd like to touch on. One, you know, if you if, if we have any Christian listeners left on this show, um, there are probably very uh, not, few and far between. Not not, not that I I bear ill will towards Christian Christians or Christianity. Wait wait wait, wait. I can I can I can I make a preference here? And this is just me, sure. and you can probably second this if you want. I don't care if you believe in the flying spaghetti monster, as long as it makes me uh, or makes you a, a a better person and a a more friendly person for me to deal with, and as long as you respect my rights and my property. And if we start having a conversation, you're not allowed to get dogmatic and lose your temper. I think that we're all good with whatever you want to believe. I don't. Yeah, go ahead, Josh. That was just a PSA yeah, from guess, my perspective. I guess, I guess opponents to that would say, well, a lot of these religions are inherently violent and immoral uh, in their practices, uh, not not simply as it stands today, but in the in the text themselves. Sure. Um, but that's a discussion for another day. Mm-hmm. Anyways, the back in the uh, in the 1800s, in 1844, there was an event called the Great Dis- Disappointment. It was a uh, it was an offshoot of a Baptist church uh, from. It's called the Millerite movement. It was a very large movement, right? Uh, and it, they essentially believe that the second coming of Christ would be in a, on a specific date, March twenty first, eighteen forty four, mm-hmm. I think. Um, yeah, and uh, this church amassed a huge following. Uh, they believed that you know uh, the Book of Revelation would would commence, and of course, nothing happened. Um, what is that? What is that in the human psyche that we all have this egotistical belief that we're all living in the end times, and the end times will always happen in our lifetime? I have no idea what the psychological phenomenon is called, but it, it's certainly prevalent uh, in a lot of religious communities. Um, but yeah, the, the great disappointment for people who want to look it up, that's, uh, that's an example of the savior paradigm utterly failing you. Um, but uh, I, I, I forget where I was going to go with that. Well, you were talking uh, about if we have any Christian listeners left, and, and you were about to make a point about... Um uh, you had two points to make, so I, I can't uh, I can't pop into your brain at this point. So, yeah, I'm sorry. It's it was it was related to the context of what you were saying earlier. But you were media personalities. Okay, there we go. Is, so, is what you want to talk about? Oh yeah, absolutely. So let's um let's shift into alternative media sources in general. So we have to understand that um, when the media tells you that. Oh, they... I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Jake. Before we go forward. Oh wait, he's one got more it. Thing. Sorry, I, I just wanted to turn the, this is uh, it came back to me. This is I just wanted to turn the idea of the savior complex uh kind of on its head maybe a little bit sure. and talk about its its more negative um uh kind of manifestation within the alternative media and that is uh salvation through destruction. Mm. That that Jake and this is something that is you know you find not only with anarcho-capitalists but conspiracy theorists of all stripes uh, quote unquote conspiracy theorists thanks mm-hmm. CIA for the term mm-hmm. um, that essentially there will be a, a catastrophic event Jake yeah. mm-hmm. an economic collapse some kind of dissolution of government mm-hmm. and until this event happens 
that we really can't do anything and we right. just kind of have to bide our time, right. Jake, mm-hmm. until the end of the world and then we can pick up the pieces later. What do you think about that? No, that is exactly... I think, I think that's the pervading view of the alternative media anymore. No, People I would... are just so dissuaded by politics, they're just waiting for a catastrophe. And and it's and it's a great psychological tool because most of the people that propagate this message are the people that we're going to talk about right now, the people like the the vitamin man and um, you know he probably does have some good products but here's here's the hundred percent thing that we have to realize is that um, anybody that is has quote unquote sources whether it's in the FBI CIA what have you. There is going to be a portion of that that is going to be disinformation. Now, whether they they go and double-check their facts or they, they just go with it, that's going to trickle down. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. He's the worst. He is the absolute – the red, blue, and green or purple and pink and yellow, whatever the colors are. I, I can't yeah. – yeah, anyway. So – the the idea that um, that they have all these sources and that all their sources are correct and that never they're never fed disinfo, and even even if they are fed disinfo, that's going to you know trickle down to to their audience, and so now we have a whole you have a whole population of people because some of these guys are very popular, like Glenn Beck's another prime example. How you can trust anything that Glenn Beck says to you? is absolutely beyond me. He started out as a morning shock jock, then went to CNN, then went to Fox, then went to Fox Afternoon, and then went to, um, now went to start his own show, and evidently now he's got 10,000 preachers that are willing to set themselves on fire to stop gay marriage or something. I, I don't know. I read that in the headlines, so you guys can double-check that, but I don't really care anything about that guy. But what I'm trying to get at are the people that were like myself, the people that were the Alex Joneses, I even played Alex Joneses clips on my show. Now, looking back at it, yeah, I, I was kind of naive, and, and, and I fell in love with the savior complex that, wow, somebody's actually got the info. Somebody's actually got the, you know, got it all nailed down. Great. I can just, you know, listen to this guy, and, and, and I'm golden. But what we run into is is disinformation, and if we don't double-check our sources or if we don't think critically, then – and this show is actually going to run long, so if you guys are not allowed to listen while it's streaming live, uh, pick it up later. I'll um, I'll upload it as soon as we get done here because Josh and I have to – still got to talk about our buddies at HSI, man. So um, here is here is the um, – here is Alan Watt talking about Alex Jones, which is funny because Alan Watt has been on Alex Jones' show many, many times even after he made these statements – about Mr. Alex Jones. So here we go. Here's the clip. Jimmy writes, Alan likes to speak of the shortwave superstars, those people like Alan Jones and David Icke, who he believes have been given to us by the New World Order to placate our search for the truth and steer us in the direction they want us to go. Is that how it works, though, that an Alex Jones is created in order to create the illusion that they're, you know, or to placate? It's always been like that. In fact, Albert Pike said, um, whenever the people need a hero, we shall supply him. And this is another part of the technique they've done all down through the ages. They they always give us our leaders, the Pied Pipers, and they lead us in circles, and and they always lead us to an ending we, we never suspected. But some of them are legit, are they not? I mean, Alex Jones... Uh, he, 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 world order? A, a technique of um, uh, control is to terrify the public. 
and if you listen to maybe 10 minutes of Alex or 15 minutes uh, you're going to need your kitchen table quivering with fear because it'll hit you like a machine gun oh yeah he talks about American gulags and, and oh yeah and 15 minutes is, is, is hit 50 different things out to you but, the, but uh -huh. there is a lot to be fearful of it's it fearful but it's a way of presentation but in Tavistock they found the same techniques could be used in the first world war that's why Tavistock was set up and they used these techniques over the BBC radio uh, to, to terrify the public so, Josh, what would you think of Alan Watts' um, synopsis of Alex Jones in, in that context? I think that's a fairly accurate assessment. I mean, there's nothing wrong with clipping uh, an episode of the Alex Jones show because there's a lot of useful information, uh, you know, in those kind of uh, uh, rare nuggets of, nuggets of truth and erudite moments of, of clairvoyance uh, on, on that show. But at the same time, again, the presentation is, is incredibly fear-mongering. You know, Jake, this is something that I've sent to you before, but I believe it was Police State 4. You can download it and uh, pl uh, play it, you know, uh, play it back in, in, in some kind of a video editor mm -hmm. um, yep. and see that there is a subliminal messaging laden throughout the, uh, the, the introduction of that movie, uh, documentary, uh, telling its viewers to submit to fear. And of course, Alan Watt is discussing uh, the uh, the nature of fear-based mind control programming uh, discovered by uh, groups like the Tavistock Institute, you know, uh, that operate at um, universities like uh, the one that I attended briefly, the University of Michigan in Ann Arbor. Um, but Jake, you you also mentioned um, the these kind of alt media insiders, right? Right. Former FBI, NSA, World Bank, whatever. Um, Whistleblowers, supposed whistleblowers that that come out into the alternative media. And I'd like to highlight two, if we if we could. Uh, one of them is Paul Craig Roberts. Oh, who also, con conveniently enough, Jake sells the meme of not only the incompetent West and the the good East, right? The the wicked witch of the West and the good witch of the East, right? How much more, uh, uh, y you know, blatant can they make it? Um, but. Paul Craig Roberts is also a proponent of kind of this West, societal Western dissolution and collapse meme, right? Mm -hmm. So his, his, re, his readers are, are kind of expecting some kind of uh, economic event uh, driven by Western incompetence. Paul Craig Roberts, of course, was, you know, uh, the Secretary of the Treasury for, uh, during the Reagan administration, or Assistant Secretary of the Treasury for the Reagan administration. But when you really start to dig into his bio, of course, former editor at the Wall Street Journal, yep. uh, a Mockingbird Media Corporation. Mm -hmm. uh, but he was also the the uh, first occupant of the William E. Simon Chair for Economic Policy at the Center for Strategic International Studies, or CSIS. Mm -hmm. uh, and C CSIS uh, has among its board of trustees, again, which uh, Paul Craig Roberts was the chair of these board of trustees, uh, but it contains such uh, illuminists as Henry Kissinger, the big new presenter, ninety second, uh, Exxon Mobil, Boeing, Coca Cola, AIG, GlaxoSmithKline, our friends at Morgan Stanley. So these are the guys that Paul Craig Roberts has been chumming around with for the past fifteen years, and then for some reason, after the economic uh, event of two thousand seven, two thousand eight, decides he uh, wants to play for the winning team and tell humanity what's really going on. I mean, you you really have to be 
quite juvenile to believe that Paul Craig Roberts is, is giving you an accurate assessment of 60 you know, seconds. economic and world events, really. Okay, look so, into his background, people. Look uh, into these backgrounds, you know. No, no, Karen Josh. is another one. Oh, don't uh, can, we, can we not talk about the conehead lady? Fine, we don't have to talk about coneheads in the Vatican. We don't have to talk about secret Hawaiian JFK gold. We don't have to talk about it. I mean, gosh, people, if you buy that, oh my lord, it, it, Jake, she's a World Bank whistleblower. Come on, it says it right there on her website. Yeah. Never mind. You can rewrite history as much as you want if you're a World Bank whistleblower. Dang, Skippy. Evidently, evidently people will believe you. <laughs> uh, I'm telling you, Jake. I'm just, I want to join the Council on Foreign Relations just so I can quit the Council on Foreign Relations and put in my alt-media bio that I'm a former member of the Council on Foreign Relations. Right. Ten seconds. There you go. All right, so... I'd have a following overnight. Jake, we could sell so much gold and, discount gold and silver to the listeners of this broadcast. We could. We could actually sell silver certificates and such. So, all yeah, right, so we just... Silver, I, th- I think we just lost the uh, live audience, so I think that's why one of the... One of the guys called in, and if you're um, if you're calling in, uh, you're gonna have to hold for just a just a moment. We're gonna pull you up here in a, in a minute. But um, all right, so let's talk about um, the one that sparked all the controversy with me, and that was Mr. Gordon Duff of Veterans Today. So mm-hmm. your boy, because he is Gordy your boy, <laughs> you know your boy uh, James Corbett uh, turned or you turned me on to James Corbett, and I've been. Um, spot checking his blog, but you sent me this little gym, and this is absolutely fantastic. And this is Gordon Duff. Uh, I think he's senior editor for Veterans Today, and this is what he has to say about the way that he performs journalism. And notice how I say performs because, yes, these are, um, for the most part, actors, folks, or at least uh, to a large extent. Here we go. I think clowns is a better uh, what, what profession for you make? folks, Jake. Well, hey, I mean, if the CIA—they're both performing artists. Are yeah, they hey, hey, he's probably in the CIA if he's a clown because you got to go to clown college. Anyway, here we go. To the people who want to make a difference and want to make this country a free country again. Well, you know, I'd like to tell you to go only go on the uh, internet and read alternative news websites. The problem is, ninety-five percent of the websites that say eighty percent of what. Mike and I are saying, take the, uh, we, even we've been hijacked. My own, my own words show up almost continually, my God, in, 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 the, in the mainstream press from uh, over the last few, uh, few years. And so he goes off track a little bit, so they pick it back up here in a second. I don't know any imaginable way you can get information, first of all, because about 30%, based on what I believe, and that's, and you know what? <laughs> Who says I'm right? But uh, according to my beliefs, and I have as good a, uh, access to information as anyone in the world probably, anyone I know of, about 30% of what's on veterans today is patently false. About... Forty percent of what I write is at least purposely partially false because if I if I didn't write false information I wouldn't be alive. If I didn't write false information I wouldn't be alive. So all right, so I'm going to cut it there. So that's what we're talking <laughs> about, people. I mean, 
the hero complex, this this worshiping of um, of media, um, of liars. Yeah, I mean, of lying liar agents like Gordy Muff and his <laughs> veterans today band of merry goofs, Jake. <laughs> I mean, well let, played, let, Josh. Let's, let's be honest about this clip here. Uh, Gordy Muff did not choose to. Uh, to, to to let his listeners know that his site was 40% disinformation when he became its chief editor in 2007. It takes infighting between all of these disinformation agents, Ben Fulford, Leo Wantana, and Gordy Muff, and a giant catastrophe, you know, kind of, uh, 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 I don't want to say conspiracy, but... Uh, I guess, rumblings within the alternative media that veterans today had been compromised. So Mm -hmm. he's now telling us in retrospect that he lies to you to keep his neck, essentially, uh, is his implication. But this is only after uh, his network has been outed as a disinformation agency, right? Absolutely. uh, Jake, it's just... um, But people... Veterans today will continue to draw plenty of hits. It will continue to get reblogged, Jake. Yep. While you and I will uh, the, suffer in in uh, in and toil here at the bottom of the of the alt media pond. They're the ones that um, that prognosticated the uh, the the missile hitting the Pentagon. And not prognosticated, but um, that leaked. Spread oh, the- around a photoshopped link of, of a JPEG of a of a missile hitting the Pentagon that was fake. Yep. it was photoshopped. You can find the source uh, information on the Pentagon's website. Right, this right. is just. And that 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 link and, spread around like wildfire. And the, Jake. and the one and the other link that I was in the argument with a guy over was the he said that there was a tactical nuke that was set off in Yemen, and you can tell because of the the proton dust that was emanated. And I said that looks like they hit a chemical plant. And it's like, and the guy got you know in my face and was like, no, no, no. He's like veterans. And then when I sent him the when I sent him the clip. And I sent him that two minutes where he admits that 40% of his stuff is disinformation. The guy says, well, 40% wrong is better than 100% wrong of the mainstream media. I'm like, wow, that is... I was about is... to say, did, didn't he use Anderson Cooper, another CIA disinformation yeah, he tried to, as, it, it, his, as his metric for quality? If it's better than Anderson Cooper, then I'll listen to it. Yeah, and it's, okay. and it's so sad because it's like the, the way that some of these people argue is not intellectual. They just try to put you... Try to put you in a box that they know how to debate against because they can't use grammar, logic, and rhetoric, and they can't have a, a real dialogue with somebody and talk about sources and where did you get this information from and, and how did you come up with that. It's it's all just – it's it's flimsy. It's so annoying. All right. I'm sorry. I'm done. I, I, I can't uh, – anyway, I'm done. So um, we got a caller on the line here. I'm going to see if he's, uh, if he's listening or if he's just uh, – if he wants to chime in on the conversation, because this is good, because we got one last segment that we're going to do, and then uh, then we're going to wrap the show. So, uh, uh, caller, you are on the air. If you would like to be, welcome. Oh, I'm just listening. This is my first time listening, but I'm enjoying the show. All right, man. I'm going to put you back on hold. All right, so we got one breakdown. Okay, you're you. you're going to really like this. All right. So, um, Josh, I found a little gem the other day. And you and I both had a great laugh. And this will probably take us a good 15 minutes to break down because there's just so much fun to be had here. This is a six-minute clip. Everybody bear with me. 
It's totally worth it. I'm telling you, this is the gold. So, there is no need for an FBI. We don't need a CIA. We don't even need the NSA. Because, Josh, who do we have? Who do we have, Josh? HSI, baby. And who is HSI for everybody playing the home game? Oh, our, our white knights at, uh, at, the, at the Department of Homeland Security. Of course, Jake. You so- know, der Untermensch. <laughs> And it's funny, in the first scene, in the first scene, people, they're literally wearing the Nazi helmets. All right, so here we go. Roll in the clip and also listen to the verbiage that they use because we're going to stop this quite a bit because there is a lot of propaganda to decode here. So enjoy. Here we go. Are you ready for the challenge? HSI is the largest investigative agency in the Department of Homeland Security. HSI uses its broad legal authority to... Okay, broad legal authority given to them by who, Josh? Uh, Johnson at the moment. Uh, Mr. I used to be the head of the drone strike operations lawyer, but now I run the uh, Department of Homeland Security. Yeah, good old Judge Johnson. I didn't give these guys any authority. I could have sworn that we have an FBI and a CIA. I could have sworn we had an FBI that did this stuff. That's okay, Joe Johnson. I mean, I could have sworn we had uh, customs officials. No, no, no. Uh, that, that, but... Don't jump the shark. <laughs> Stop jumping the shark. So here, what else does HSI do? To investigate issues such as drug smuggling, money laundering, bulk cash smuggling, weapons trafficking, financial crimes, human smuggling and trafficking and human rights violations, cybercrime, and export enforcement issues. HSI special agents also conduct investigations aimed at protecting critical infrastructure industries that are vulnerable to sabotage, attack, or exploitation. If it's a crime involving a person, commodity, or money illegally entering or leaving the U.S., HSI investigates it. So they can investigate anything. That's pretty broad, isn't it? If it leaves or stays here or, you know, if if it breathes, they can investigate it. Even if it's an yeah, inanimate it, object, they can investigate it. Jake, it really just does seem to be an over-national police force. Although, you know, I get the feeling that it will uh, make an appearance uh, in inner cities and in black communities specifically, <laughs> Jake. Because, you know, we can't have that drug money not getting back to the top of the pyramid. It's just yeah. unacceptable. And if you really want to watch how the drug game works, uh, watch the movie Two Guns. That is pretty spot on with how all this stuff goes Don't down. watch Two Guns to find out. Don't do that. Watch a boring documentary about Mina, Arkansas. Or better yet, <laughs> listen to your interview with Freeway Ricky Ross. Yeah, Real there Rick you Ross. go. All right, so I didn't want to self-plug, but I, th- I appreciate you for plugging that. So you can it's actually a good interview. You can find that on the web. You can find it on the We Are Not Cattle site. Um, Jake, uh, We Are Not Cattle interviews Freeway Ricky Ross. So here we go. So Jake, do you, yep. Jake, do you wonder though? It, so is is the Department of Homeland Security now going to be tasked with uh, cocaine and heroin distributions in America's inner cities? No, or is that still the purview of the CIA? No, nah, CIA's got a, they got that on lockstep, man. You got to justify those budgets, man. Here we go. Are you ready? Are you up to the challenge of becoming a Homeland Security Investigation Special Agent? You ready for the challenge? This is the worst propaganda video. HSI Special Agents may be assigned to any of 26 principal field offices throughout the United States. Oh, here's where it gets good. With the opportunity to be deployed to more than 60 international offices around the world. What the hell is Homeland Security doing in 60 international offices? I thought it was for the homeland. That's very interesting. 
This is not a 9 to 5 job. HSI agents often work 70 to 90 hours per week. And by the way, for all of you playing the home game, everybody they're arresting is black. Just saying. And the training is demanding. Basic training consists of 22 weeks at the Federal Law Enforcement Training Center near Brunswick, Georgia, with basic weapons training, My backyard. firearms qualifications, advanced firearms training exercises, scenario-based training, downed officer rescues, and full-on simunition exercises. All right, heads up. Your HSI special agent training will familiarize you with static and mobile surveillance techniques and the basics on conducting controlled deliveries, warrant service, and vehicle stops. The person has to be. How, why is Homeland Security conducting warrant service? And vehicle stops? What is this? I mean, this is, <laughs> literally sounds like. Jake, I'm on their website right now looking uh, at. Don't the, do that. Uh, Don't research, Josh. Come on. I'm, but but uh, what am I reading for? Here's what I'm reading for. Oh, sorry, hit the wrong button. Uh, don't sweat it. So the, of these 24 uh, SAC principal field offices, uh, they're, they're essentially located in most every urbanized area in America. The one uh, lo- local to me is in Detroit. Um, but in, in Atlanta, Jake, uh, looking at their map, it's virtually the same. They have one home Department of Homeland Security um, main outpost, right, in, in the center of the city. Mm-hmm. And then the other two are with uh, corrections, off, uh, uh, corrections offices as well as the local police department. Uh, so the Department of Homeland Security is already uh, collaborating with DPD and Atlanta PD. Uh, so sleep sleep soundly at night, Jake, knowing that the police are being federalized. No, no, come on, man. Why would they ever do that? Hey, listen, Josh, this is another thing I've got to say to you. System of government characterized by extreme dictatorship. Oh, I see. It's uh, fascism. Fascism. Wonderful. The mind has to be fluid and, and doing all types of investigations. HSI special agents share their expertise with other intelligence agencies working on counterterrorism cases to help prevent terrorists and weapons of terror from entering the U.S. and often take part in and lead. What are weapons of terror? Did you catch that? Probably an probably an assault rifle. <laughs> Jake. Hey wait 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 wait. wait. Hey wait. Didn't the FBI send around a whole bunch of anthrax all over the U.S.? That would be considered a weapon of terror. Are it's Homeland Security but investigating they, them? But that was an accident. You know, sometimes sometimes the FBI sends anthrax to the wrong labs, live spores, you know. Sometimes Bayer sends AIDS-tainted vaccines to France and Japan, you know. It just it happens sometimes, you know. Sometimes live polio vaccination or live polio virus gets dumped into municipal water supplies in Denmark. Jake, these are just, they're accidents. Come on. Sometimes the kids, sometimes the kids that take the polio shot in India actually get paralyzed, but it's not polio. Uh, sometimes they get, sometimes they get sterilized too. Uh. But before we continue, it, it, this uh, this Detroit setup of SAC, uh, it reminds me. I saw a story about this six months ago, Jake. Uh, the the Detroit Central Station, which is a sen- it's designed by the same guy who did uh, Grand Central Station in New York City. Mm-hmm. Beautiful building. Mm-hmm. It's been abandoned since the 70s, so it's a shit show now. Um, but the uh, the Michigan State government wanted to buy uh, Grand Central or Detroit Central Station, refurbish it, uh, and turn it into a joint Homeland Security Michigan State Police headquarters. That would be considered a threat fusion center, would it not? 
Uh, well, we've we've got the threat fusion centers. Ooh, this in addition, would be, uh, this this would be a group. Uh, so it, it would almost seem like uh, more for field officer staff. Ooh, that sounds like fun. Rapid deployment. Sounds deploy. like a. Let's sign up, Jake. Uh, dude, I'm telling you, Homeland Security is selling me right now. Here we go. Continuing with the clip. Multi-agency law enforcement task forces, such as BEST, the Border Enforcement Security Task Force. Yeah, I thought we had a border control, but I, don't, I guess we don't have border patrol anymore. U.S. ports of entry, land, sea, and air generate thousands of cases per month for HSI special agents. Training will familiarize you with methods... And they show checkpoints here, people. I mean, this is this is just the most authoritarian video you've ever seen in your life. To detect narcotic smuggling activities, bulk cash smuggling, and illegal weapons and ammunition smuggling operations. You will be trained to handle cargo search and process seizures, deal with border violence, and investigate assaults on officers and U.S. citizens, as well as boarding... What? Wait a minute. I'm going to rewind that for the people at home. This is ridiculous. I, I, all right. Pay attention. Homeland Security is going to investigate violence at inside the border of the United States. Here we go. Violence and investigate assaults on officers and U.S. citizens, as well as boarding vessels and working with boat crews at seaports. Uh, what are you carrying today? Uh, it's not easy. It works you mentally, physically, and emotionally. They should definitely be prepared for the challenge upon entry. Yeah, because you're the HSI freaking special stock. agents should be prepared to work at a southwest border office along the U.S.-Mexico border. The landscape of the southwest border is vast, hot, and dangerous. And the majority of the work performed by HSI special agents is related to narcotics interdiction human smuggling and trafficking, or investigating illegal alien stash house or hostage resolve operations. HSI special agents are also trained to recognize victims of human trafficking, slave labor, or indentured servitude. Investigations of these incidents often lead to the discovery of fraudulent documents, immigration violations, identity and benefit fraud, or marriage fraud. Ooh, HSI special agents utilize innovative investigative techniques on crimes committed on the Internet. You may participate in programs initiated by the Cybercrime Center, C3, and the Child Exploitation Section, CES. C3 and CES investigate the trans-border dimension of large-scale producers and distributors of images of child abuse and child sexual exploitation. When crimes cross foreign borders, HSI special agents who are stationed internationally work with foreign governments and Interpol to enhance coordination and cooperation on child sex crimes. Games. HSI special agents identify, target, and arrest violent transnational street gangs by developing intelligence on gang members, then seize cash, weapons, and other illegal assets to deter, disrupt, and dismantle these criminal enterprises. The final stages of the enforcement action would be prosecution and removal of illegal alien gang members from the United States. So they can be released by the Justice Department back into the society. Woo! Financial crimes, trade-based money laundering, and crimes related to intellectual property rights and commercial fraud also fall within the scope of HSI Special Agents Enforcement. 
the National Intellectual Property Rights IPR Coordination Center was created to identify, disrupt, and dismantle criminal organizations involved in manufacturing and distributing counterfeit products. HSI special agents keep counterfeit and pirated goods, including counterfeit prescription medications, from flooding U.S. supply chains and retail markets. So, are you ready for the challenge? The responsibility is enormous. To apply for a position as an HSI special agent, you must be under 37 years of age, a U.S. citizen, and you must have resided in the U.S. for three of the past five years. You'll be required to carry a firearm, pass a background check, and gain a security clearance. The initial process will include physical exams, written exams, oral interviews, writing sample assessment, and a personal interview. Go for it. It's a challenge, but it's a very rewarding job. If you would like to serve your country in a fast-paced, challenging law enforcement environment, then a career as an HSI Homeland Security Investigation Special Agent could be for you. The job can be intense, but you can be assured you will have the opportunity to help improve the security of our great nation. Welcome to Homeland Security Investigations. Yeah. All right. All right, Mr. Josh. And uh, Sounds like a... Sounds like a trailer for uh, some kind of CBS show. I feel like it'll be on right between NCIS Los Angeles and Scorpion. <laughs> oh man! So we'll put the link to the uh, we'll put the link to the video in the show notes. Um, in case you want to sign up. No, I was actually going to say that I'll actually put a link not only to the video, a link to the website, so you guys can go ahead and sign up and uh, get registered for your firearm. So. You remember, you got to be a U.S. citizen, people, and you got to live here for at least three of the last five years. So, I feel like the target audience for for HSI is really disgruntled Homeland Security or disgruntled uh, TSA employees. Yeah, but they got to pass the background check, and they can't do that. <laughs> that's a good point. Yeah. So anyway, all right, that's it for the show, Josh. Uh, last words from you, and then we're gonna uh, we're gonna wrap this thing up. Uh, last words. Um, I really hope this army drill in Flint ends. Oh uh, no, no, no. we got to talk about schedule. that. All right, can we can we go into that and then we'll and then we'll shut it down. So, uh, give people the once over of what's going on about fifteen minutes outside of your hometown there. Well, yeah, this is just hometown news. Well, not hometown exactly. I grew up in the burbs, still located in uh, adjacent burbs, um, but the city of Flint, Michigan. Uh, there's a local news report that ran a few days ago because uh, a number of residents uh, <laughs> noticed the sounds of explosions and men shooting in abandoned houses. Uh, and the city government came out and later said that they have been in joint talks with the Army uh, and the Marine Reserves and a few other organizations, but primarily the Army, to conduct uh, live fire drills over the course of well, it was June 2nd to June 12th, so 10 days. Um, of course, not notifying anyone that this is going on. So now they're doing things like, you know, setting off explosions in abandoned buildings. And it's just, it, it's it's so ridiculous on the face of it, because it's like, one, you know, the city of Flint is already so destitute as it is, you know, and, uh, you know, a good portion of it is urban blight and abandoned at this point. So I suppose the army looked at that and said, well, that's a wonderful place to train. Um, but, of course, it is all about this steady Fabian normalization process of getting people used to 
seeing, you know, military men on the streets, whether they're police or National Guard or HSI, right? Yeah, HSI. They're, that's the HSI investigates, man. That's a whole different it's a whole different group. You don't need to worry about those guys. <laughs> so nice and compartmentalized. Yeah, exactly. So um your final thoughts and then we'll uh we'll shut it down. It looks like um uh, I don't have the exit audio loaded, so I got my I got my new PC, so we're rocking and rolling with this thing. But uh, your final thoughts, Mister Josh, for for takeaway for the viewers or listeners, shall we say? Uh, takeaway: uh, regain your autonomy. Ooh. I guess, however, however you can, whether that's starting a community garden if you're in an urban location, or gardening on you know project roofs if you're stuck in a shitty situation, or if you can, you know, something like purchasing junk land, you know, you can buy you can buy a couple acres in the middle of nowhere for a couple thousand dollars with nothing on it uh, and start trying to, you know, be autonomous, growing your own food, you know, do, doing real things that you can do within, you know, your own personal power because that's the only power you really have in this world. I would agree with you on that. So, um yeah, I guess my my closing thoughts for the show is uh, kind of going to mirror what Josh said, and that's um, be an individual. Uh, just once again, and I've eat more s- kale. Yeah, <laughs> I, I've said this on the show many times, <laughs> but it really it really does ring true. You know, grab all the information that you can. Don't listen to the talking heads. Um, definitely don't listen to the politicians. They don't care about you. Um, Gather all the information for yourself, cogitate it, you know, think about it, formulate your own opinion, and uh, who knows, you may be right at the end of the day. So thanks for listening, everybody. Um, peace, love, and liberty. Once again, no exit audio, but uh, I will be uploading uh, better audio as the show ends right now. So thanks for listening. Uh, tune in next week. Uh, check the website, wearenotcattle.net, for showtimes, as it will vary uh, either Tuesday uh, excuse me, Wednesday, Thursday, and sometimes on the weekends. So peace, love, and liberty, everyone. Take care. Oh, you